0: Take your Bible, go to the book of Romans, first chapter, and we'll look there. Thank you, college team, for being in the choir today, the Crossroads crowd. Yeah, let them know you're glad they were here and uh, grateful for what God's doing out there on Tuesday nights and other times uh, at the college ministry, young adults that uh, meet on Tuesday evening, if you fit that category, uh, come by, I usually drop in when I'm uh, available and uh, say hello for a little bit so uh, you be a part of that glad they were up in the choir today while our orchestra is off on mission so uh, glad they were there well we begin today in Romans and uh, we've just finished 60 sermons in the book of Acts and I've been kind of tussling with myself about where to go next trying to pray through uh, I, I, I kept wanting to go to the Psalms and uh, preach out of a few of the Psalms and I just never could get clarity and uh, I kept thinking because we had been to Rome with Paul there's more to say there and uh, we were at lunch a couple of weeks ago and uh, my daughter asked me said dad uh, what's after Acts and one of the granddaughters said well Romans is after Acts and uh, I said well that's correct and uh, I've been kind of wrestling there so uh, I guess out of the mouth of babes I just kind of got that confirmed in my soul Uh, I'm going to preach uh, in Romans here for many weeks I'm not going to go exactly verse by verse but chapter by chapter Uh, I preached through this book but it's been 20 years ago since I preached through the book of Romans went back and uh, looked in 03 at those sermons and Man they need to be redone That's some of the sorriest preaching I've ever done in my life So uh, we'll come back and look at the book of Romans a little bit today Uh, We begin this morning in the first chapter And I'm going to read this entire chapter It's a little lengthy uh, As we uh, look at these 32 verses uh, And share a message that I've entitled Not ashamed Not ashamed Paul most people believe was in Corinth When he wrote Romans this is not after he's been to Rome. This is before he ever got to Rome. In Corinth, Phoebe was leaving Corinth to go to Rome. Most people believe that he wrote this book, handed it to Phoebe, and asked her to take it to the church at Rome. And he commended her. And you see that in the 16th chapter when we get to that part. But before it, it seems that he's added Uh, These 15 chapters we have uh, that most people that have studied the Bible very much would agree is the greatest theological work ever penned. And here he drills down, commending Phoebe at the end, but speaking to the church at Rome and to the church at large, uh, beginning in this great epistle that we find In So all roads lead to Rome. That's where we're going in these next few Sundays. Everything leading to Rome. And Paul is coming to Rome uh, as we found him in Acts. But before he gets there, he writes a letter to the church that is in that great city. And we find him saying, Romans 1.1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God which He promised beforehand through His prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning His Son, who was born of a, descend- of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for His name's sake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first sentence. Paul was, uh, well, he was bad to do run-on sentences. He loved commas, semicolons, and he would have that going. And so in his introduction, he has this long, long word To the church at Rome and then in verse number 8 we find this first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world for God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers making requests if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you, while among you, each of us, by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often had planned to come to you, and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written. But the righteous man shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image of the form of corruptible man and of birds and of four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore, God gave them over to the lusts of, of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those practice them I am not ashamed Paul says he had no shame he had no intellectual shame when he thought about the things of God he had no social shame when it came to seeing what was going on in his culture he was morally without shame calling truth truth And a lie, lie, calling unrighteousness, unrighteousness, and righteousness, righteousness. Paul stood without shame. He did not back up. He did not hiccup. He did not hesitate. He stood unashamed. If anything in this epistle that speaks to our heart, it ought to be that word. We must be unashamed of the Lord God and His truth. And so this morning, I want us to look at three items in this chapter where we find Paul not ashamed. Number one, in the introduction and down through verse number 10, we find that he is not ashamed of the church. He's not ashamed of the church. Uh, look at number, verse number six. These are some of the words he used for the church. Among whom you also are the Called. Friend, if you're a member of the church, you've been called out of darkness in the light, out of sin, and to a Savior. He calls the church out of the world to come to Himself. Verse number seven, He says the church is also the beloved of God. Look at it to all who are beloved of God in Rome. God loves the church. Matter of fact, He loved the church and gave Himself for the church. If God loves the church, we should love the church. In verse number seven, he called the church the saints, the saints of God. Doesn't mean you're without sin. The word hagias means holy, and the saint comes out of unworthiness to worthiness, out of sinfulness into holiness. We are to be the saints of God. Doesn't make you perfect. Hear me on that. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's not any of us perfect, none. But we are to turn our back on ungodliness and run toward the God of heaven. We are called, we are beloved, we are saints, Paul says. And then he said the church was in Rome and in Christ. Now don't miss this. The church of the living God is in Christ. We are in Christ, but we are also in Pensacola. We are in Christ, but we must live in our locale. We're in the Lord, but we're in our location. These people were in Rome, but they were also in Christ. Never miss it. The church is not some mystical body, woo, way up there in the clouds. The church is, is here. He wrote to the church at Galatia, at Colossae, at Philippi, at Ephesus, on and on. He writes to the church, and the church is in Rome, and it is in Christ. I know some things about the church. Paul is grateful for the church in verse number eight, he said, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, though your faith is being proclaimed throughout the I speak of you everywhere I go. I speak of this church everyone. He was grateful for the church. Are you grateful for your church? You need to be grateful for your church. You need to give thanks. Man, you, you find all kinds of problems or you're looking for it in any church, but you'd be grateful for the church that God has given. You. Not only was Paul grateful for the church, he prayed for the church. In verses 9 and 10, he said that I unceasingly make mention of you. Verse 10, always in my prayers making request. You see, pray, you pray for your church. You didn't pray for your pastor. You didn't pray for your leaders. You didn't pray for your Sunday school workers. You, you didn't pray for those around you. You don't need to speak evil of the church. You don't need to speak evil of the workers in the church. You need to build them up. You need to love them. Need to speak that truth. Paul prayed for the church. He was grateful for the church. He prayed for the church. In verse 11, he longed for the church. He says in this text, I long to see you, that I might give you a spiritual gift that might be established and encouraged together with you. He longed for the church. Now, I thank God for those that send me mail from Day to day, I got a letter this week from an elderly member of our church. It was that shaking writing, you know, where you couldn't, you know, it's hard to keep up with it. I can make it out. And she wrote me and said, Pastor, I can no longer leave my residence to come. And I watch online and use the television, my computer screen. She said, "I long to be with the church." We went through this deal in COVID. We made it easy to stay at home. A lot of people chose to stay at home. Friend, you ought to long to be with God's people. Amen. You shouldn't forsake the assembling yourselves together. We do television. We put a lot of our stock in. We want people. I was in Bucketuna, Mississippi the other day, and I was walking through, and I told you about it, and the guy came running out of the kitchen. My Lord, I just saw you on YouTube in Bucketuna, Mississippi. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's an outreach. We use it. Many of our people can't come, and others, when you travel, you see it. Not. But let me tell you, friend, when you're in town, you got a car, you, get, you ought to get to God's house. Amen long for the church. There are many, many reasons. People can't come and uh, that's fine. That's why we do that outreach. Don't hear us the word of condemnation unless you're just lazy as sin. Then take it for that. I tell people all the time, you can watch on the screen and you can see and hear, but you cannot feel the wind blow. And when the wind blows and the Spirit of God moves, you can't always get that on the screen. Thank God for the outreach. But Paul said, I long to be with the church. I encourage you that, that you would long for the church and be a part of the church. After this service, you want to be a part. Go, go buy that table. Sign up for Discovering Olive and, and, and do that. Come and make your confession and link your heart with the church. Thank God for the work of the church he was not ashamed of the church secondly he was not ashamed of the gospel of the gospel he says it in verse 16 I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God for salvation everyone who believed you first also the Greek For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith. The faith is written, the righteous man shall live by faith. He wasn't ashamed of the church. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel. Now, look at the reality of the gospel. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15 makes it very clear what the gospel is. The gospel is this. Jesus Christ, God loves you, Sent His Son, and Jesus Christ lived. He's crucified, buried, and raised. That is the gospel. That's the gospel. Jesus came and lived holy. He died an atoning death. He was buried in a tomb and he arose victorious. That's the gospel. And he did that for you. No one else in the world has ever done that. That's the gospel. He is like no other. The reality is he did all of that for us. God reached down when he sent his son. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. The reality of the gospel is the simple life, the perfect life, the perfect death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The reality of the gospel. Also the reach of the gospel. Who did he have for? For everyone who believes. To the Jew and to the Greek. He reached to Europe, to the Americas. To every continent. And there for the Jew and the Gentile, Jesus died. All oh, the reach of the gospel. There is no one beyond the reach of the gospel. The guy that wrote this book we're reading from today was a murderer. He was not beyond the reach of the gospel. Peter went to the Jews. Paul more to the Gentile. But they said, together we reach to the world. Hear me, friend. There is no one in Pensacola who is not welcome at Olive Baptist Church. Everybody. If they come for the wrong reason, we'll deal with them. But if you come to hear the gospel, no one do you turn away. None. It's the reach, the broad reach of the gospel. We see the reality. We see the reach. We see the reception. Of the gospel. How does the gospel become a reality? To each one who believes. He says. You must believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith in Christ. That you must have faith. And trust him. Had he lived. My dad would be 98 years old today. Memories flood my mind. But one memory that always floods my mind. Is when he shared with me as a 23 year old man. How he gave his heart and life to Christ. When he believed on the name of Christ. Hallelujah. When he believed. If you ever put your faith in Christ? Some of you say, well, I, I can't live by faith. I, I. Oh, friend, you, you display faith every day of your life. You do. You ever been out here to Pensacola Airport and got on a plane? That's faith. You got on a plane made by men you never met. you going to go to... Twenty and 30,000 feet in the air with a man or a woman flying that thing you never met and don't even know? And if they say they're going to bring you down safely, that's faith. You ever been to the doctor and get a prescription? You can't read any of that. It's hieroglyphics. They hand you a piece of paper scribbled on that you take it down and give it to somebody you never met. They go in the back room, get stuff out of a jar you've never seen, put it in a bottle that you've never looked at before. They got a label on it and tell you to take it every morning. You go home and do it. That's faith. Or stupidity, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody in this room's living by faith right now. You sit down on that bench. You got faith; it's gonna hold you up. There's one or two of these right over here at the front section. You'll be be careful of. All right, we got to replace one or two of these over here. So you put all of your trust in that. It's faith. Let me tell you, friend. You're not gonna get to heaven till you put your faith in Christ. You say, "I'm gonna be good enough." You're not that good. You say, well, "I'll give like you." You don't have that much. Jesus, didn't we sing about this? Yeah, he paid it all. All to him I owe. Hallelujah. Oh, God's so good. Don't don't be ashamed of the church. be ashamed of the gospel. If you trust him, you ought to be baptized. I mean, we had a blessed time this last Sunday afternoon. We baptized 49 people down in the Gulf. Had a great time down there. That was really good. Uh, I told them Wednesday night that was good, but it wasn't the best part. We've been praying and praying and praying. All these boys and girls come in here and play basketball, all these young adults, and Taylor's been working tirelessly and said, I want to baptize. I want to reach some of these kids for Christ. And finally, he had somebody believe, and he had them all lined up Tuesday to be baptized. All the staff, we came down there. We was all excited, and the guy didn't show up. We had the water ready in the trough, warm, ready. Hmm. Old taylors he just, you can tell, he, he, but he didn't give up. He called them all together like he always did and he shared the gospel with that group of kids down there and two of them believed on Christ and they were baptized on Tuesday. (laughs) Amen. I kept telling them, I said, we got 49 people were baptized in the Gulf. I said, somebody out here is out of the will of God. There ought to be at least 50. There ought to be one more somewhere. Well, we found him and he didn't show up and God gave us double. Hallelujah. What a Savior. And then to see these six come, uh, this morning, be baptized in, in this service. Thank God for the church. Don't be ashamed of the church. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Hallelujah. And then don't be ashamed of the truth. The truth. Paul speaks about it. In verse 18, he said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth. Some are suppressing the truth. In verse 25, some are exchanging the truth. Some people take truth and and they suppress it. They want to push it down. They say, No, no, no. Other people say, well, we're going to change that. You used to say, this is true. Now we're going to exchange it and put a lie in its place. That's the world in which we live today. But hear me. This is written in the first century. There's nothing new under the sun. Truth has been being suppressed since the beginning of time. He said in verse twenty, "In this suppression of truth, since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes of His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse." You drive down this afternoon, and if it's a beautiful day, you watch that sunset, Pensacola Beach. You know where that came from? A monkey's mouth. The old world just evolved. And it just kind of happened. You're sitting down. you know where you came from? Ape man you. You used to be it. They want you to believe that. You, You know what they can't find? They can't find that in between man. They can't find that half ape, half man. I've been close a time or two, but I... (laughs) It doesn't exist. See, creation, when that sun sets and God paints that picture, he says you're without excuse because that created order always says, always, there's a creator behind the paintbrush. You see those snow-capped mountains. There's a Creator behind that creation, and you are without excuse. Because when you look up at the heavens and you say, "Oh my, where could that come?" It only comes from the hand of the Creator. And what this world is trying to do is make you a fool. Verse twenty-two says, "And he then makes you a fool. You profess to be wise, and you become foolish." In verse twenty-two, and then. He gives you over, in verse 24, he gives you over to the lust of your heart when you suppress the truth. But then there's another crowd. That's not in the suppression business. They are in the exchanging business. That's in verse 25. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. So now it's all about man. It's not about evolving. We say, well, God made us, but now we're going to serve ourselves. We're going to worship ourselves. And then we tell ourselves lies. We tell ourselves sexual lies. Women began to pant for other women. Men began to burn for other men. We then invent truth. And when we do that, we find in verse 25, he gives you over. He'll let you have what you want. He gives you over to your depravity. Hmm. I want you to look at this list. See, that sexual immorality is not the only issue. That's the first issue But when you exchange truth Here's what happens You're filled, verse 29 says Unrighteous, wicked, greedy Evil, envious, murderers Strife, deceit, malice Gossip, slander, hate Insolent, arrogant, boastful Inventors of evil That is the new motto of the United States of America inventors of evil you don't have enough we just make it up this has been true for thousands of years but all of a sudden we're smarter than everybody and we've made we make up evil now I've told you I've never been the greatest student in the classroom you you don't have to listen to me long to know that's true Bless God, I know what a pronoun is. I mean, I made 16 on the ACT test. They had to let me in, all right? 16 is what you had to have to get in. I made 16. They said, You want to take it over? I said, Well, no. They said, Well, you might get a scholarship. I said, I'm in. Mama's paying. I'm in. But I know. That's a he, that's a him. That's a him, that's a he. What, what, which way? you, you got to lie to yourself. Now listen. you got to stand on truth. But the book says when you speak truth, you must speak truth with love. You cannot go around hating people that disagree with you. They may hate you, but you can't hate them. The Jesus way is that you love them the way Jesus loved them I, I stopped in a place yesterday and I, I was going in but I was going in the wrong door and the owner of the place is standing down and he said what are you doing I said well I'm going, he said the doors over there get the hell out of here I said well, I almost What I wanted to say, why don't you put a sign on the place where you know where the door is? And he chuckled and I chuckled and we had a little laugh. But you know, if we're not careful at the church, we'll find some people that disagree with us and we'll just say to them, you get the hell out of here. We know better in the world. We must have a standard and we must call people to repentance. But I'm telling you, we not good enough yet we can turn anybody away that wants to come. Well, about half of you agree with that. Okay, that's good. But the Jesus way is at Calvary. God so loved the Baptist. He loved the world, did he not? see we must be unashamed of the truth and the Word of God but we must be unashamed to love people where they are that's what we got to do that's why you stood your feet when we brought these girls up here from the carriage house last week (laughs) as they came in broken bruised battered God changed their life hallelujah what a Savior amen yeah you know, Jesus said in Mark 8:38 that if you are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of you when He comes in the glory of His Father with His holy angels. If you're ashamed of Him here, He'll be ashamed of you there. I didn't say that; Jesus said that. We must never be ashamed of the Blessed Lord. We must, we must not be ashamed of his church, of his gospel, of his truth. It's our job. It's who we are. Now, if you got your phone? Everybody got your phone? You college kids got your phone with you today? You're not sending texts right now? Okay. All right, everybody open your phone up. Give you permission go to your search engine whatever you got if you don't have one just hang on it's it's good you'll understand but if you got one i want you to i want you to google or search one word polycarp polycarp p-o-l-y-c-a-r-p polyminicarp like an ugly fish okay polycarp just put that word in the search engine now there may be different things come up i've done it a few times a few things come up but i want you to look at that Second century martyr. He'll come up there. He's ugly. he got a long beard, probably got a stained glass window behind him or something. The, the Polycarp of Smyrna in present day Turkey was a disciple of John the Apostle. He became a Christian when he was young. You can read all about him. You just search that. And so you see it. Now you got it. Okay, now forget it. Look right here at me. All right, you find him. You read about him later. Polycarp died in 86 because he was hot-hearted for the gospel and he preached Jesus, 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 and he lived Christ. The world came to him and said, who's God? He said, Jesus is God. They said, no, Caesar is God. He said, no, Jesus is God. And they brought him and they put the wood up under a big stake and they said we're going to burn you to death if you do not refute that Jesus is God and say Caesar is God. And Polycarp said, I can say nothing else. Christos, who's curious. Christ is the Lord God. They gave him another chance said if you will deny, he said I you Christos Christ is Lord. And they took that old man, 86 years old. Can you imagine? We have a lot of people that live in Asia. Age age. they didn't live that old then. This old man's 86. They took him to that fence post and they tied him and they lit the wood. I've wondered, what did Polycarp say as the flames began to lick on his skin? Maybe it was Psalm 25 and verse 20 that he quoted, Guard my soul and deliver me. Do not let me be ashamed, for I take refuge in you, O Lord. If it wasn't Psalm 25, maybe it was Psalm 31, verse number 1. In you, O Lord, I've taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed of you. If it was not Psalm 25 and it wasn't Psalm 31, maybe it was Psalm 71 where he, as the flames grew hotter. In you, O Lord, I've taken refuge. Let me never be ashamed. the flames came and his clothes burned and his skin melted and his physical frame died and his soul ascended into glory he was absent from the body present with the Lord and here we are 2,000 years later remembering that Jesus was Lord and it was worth it. He suffered shame for the name. I just wonder what Jesus said when Polycarp came floating in. I got a feeling, he said, you're just like those old boys over in Daniel. (laughs) Not a smell of smoke on you. Welcome, good and faithful servant.